Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And Gavin, we are breaking down a rousing 115 to 102 win by the Knicks over the rebuilding, but really fun magic. Yeah, the Knicks survived the bowl bowl game. Incredible. Uh, couldn't have happened a year ago. Julius Randle goes off. His backup does the same. Jalen Brunson, brilliance. Emmanuel quickly closing. All of that. So much more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are breaking down the Knicks 115-102 to 102 win over the Orlando Magic at home. And I got to say first, before we commend, you know, the Knicks starters and everything, and we'll talk about the Magic in a minute, but like, this Magic team is really fun. Like, I really enjoyed watching this game from both sides. Like, as, as for how much work we put into, like, every year, the fantasy land of the Knicks potentially winning the lottery and all that stuff. Like, I had some grand visions of Paolo Bancaro in my head this year, and he looks great on the floor. But I think we got to start with the Knicks first. We'll talk about Paolo in a couple minutes. But uh, the Knicks, three starters, Gavin, over 20 points in this game. And... I'm I'm like, I know we're so early in the season, but things are looking good enough that I'm almost ready to put it to bed that the starters are a detriment to the Knicks at this point. Like, I think Jalen Brunson is making a big difference, but I think they really, to his credit, Tibbs has these guys playing a very pass-happy, aesthetically pleasing team style of basketball right now. And that starts with the starters, continues with the bench, and really has just been going like all 48 minutes for the Knicks right now. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because I would still argue that all that stuff um, gets even more intense and, and even better when the bench comes in. And yet the gap has definitively closed. And it's, and it's not that the starters aren't doing it well. It's that the bench is moving the ball so quickly and playing with so much pace and so much cohesiveness that there's still there's still a difference there. But the starters have done I mean, it's it's light years ahead. They were just about as bad as any team in the NBA. I, I, I'll say it. They were probably the worst team in the NBA in terms of the cohesion that their starting five had last year. Honestly, even the year they were good in 2021, the cohesion was there in the sense that everyone kind of figured out how to play off of Randall. But in terms of five guys making each other better, it was pretty non-existent that year. It was pretty non-existent the year before that. Since the 2012-13 season, it really hasn't been there in the Knicks starting lineup. And this team is starting to look like they have it. I want to see it 
against the elite defenses in the league. I want to see it against the Celtics at full strength. I want to see it against the Bucks. I want to see it against the Sixers. I want to see it against the Heat. I want to see it against the Raptors. On and on and on and on. But you know what? It looked really good tonight against the Magic team that's super young. But to your point, has three guys out there that are 6'10 or, or taller at all times. And that, that would tend to gum up the works in the past. And it's not. And, and there are a bunch of reasons for that. But at least on the offensive end of the floor, it's, it starts with two people, Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle. So I'll throw that right back to you, Alex. Which of those two do you want to start off with? Well, you know what? Before I answer your question that you just threw to me, let me let me throw you this one. Oh, boy. Is, I, I made this comparison in our little Locked On Now video, our little quick summary to send to our uh, our Locked On Game to Game show. But I said, I think the way that the ball is moving right now, I haven't felt this good since 2012-13 as far as how the ball moves on a Knicks team. What do you think about that assessment? Oh, yeah, that's what I was just saying. I I, I totally agree with it. I, I, I think there's another team that, that's comparable. I think, I think the yeah. bench of the 2020-21 team is, is the one analog, and this is a more amped-up version of that on the bench with the starters doing similar stuff to what that bench did. Yeah. I agree. And as far as who to start with, I mean, I'm going to go with Julius Randle, honestly. And I know that we've been starting with him a lot lately, but I mean, it's so weird because he, he is definitely playing a more team friendly style of ball. Euro ball Randle, as we're going to call him, I think all year uh, is out in full force. I mean, you know, Alex, he just went to a bunch of EDM fests this summer and now, now he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> but there's just, I mean, his game is so much more aesthetically pleasing right now. Like, he he got twenty five points in this game, but it didn't it didn't feel like he had that many points. You know what I mean? Like I just watch how he's playing right now, and it's not like you're just tossing it to Randall and having him go to work in his office now. Like he's he's taking smarter shots. He's you know he had a couple little flubs here and there. Like there was one, you know, sort of trying to spin into the lane, dribble off the leg turnover, which Randall has kind of made famous over the last few years, but. Other than that, like just the decision making has been so good. He's looking for all of his teammates on the perimeter. Um, I'm pretty sure that when RJ was as cold as he was in the early stages of this game, he cost Randall probably a few assists. Uh, you know, based off of the looks that that Randall was creating, I, I love what I'm seeing from him. like it, again running the floor with gusto too. You know, had a great transition dunk in this one, a nice like two handed jam and a and a. Uh, roar afterwards you know to the crowd and to the opposing players like he looks like he's having a lot of fun right now and and you know that was never the case last year it seemed like last year he came in with a chip on his shoulder I know it's so cliche but it almost seems like that's just the difference this year that he's he's playing loose he's maybe appreciative of the fact of having Brunson out there and, and understanding just how much of a go-to guy Brunson can be. And maybe that's a good segue, Gavin. I'll throw it to you to talk about Julius, but a good segue into Brunson too. Like Randall, I don't think has to be the guy that just goes out there and gets the statement bucket anymore. Like RJ has some ability to do that, but it's been a little shaky to start the season so far, like as he's been mini slumping a little bit, but Brunson in this game, I, I thought just did a great job of taking over when it was needed. You know, like he and Cole Anthony got into a little back and forth for a bit, but Brunson ultimately won that, I think, handily, you know, in, in terms of the the tit for tat there. Like uh, Brunson really just was getting inside at will, was getting his little, you know, mid-range pull-up that he loves so much. Like 
like it was second nature because it probably is at this point. But yeah, I thought he did a great job of being the go-to bucket in this game. And that is something that, especially last year, I think the Knicks really lacked was having a guy that just had his like pet shot that he could go to and make, you know, at like a 50% or greater clip. And Brunson had that in this game. And, and that's why he wound up, you know, you end up with three guys, 20 points or more, even for as much as I say that RJ slumped a little bit, 20 points for RJ, 21 for Brunson, 25 for Julius. They all just sort of at a certain point had their pet things that they could go to. And it, and it all melded together really nicely in this game, I think. Yeah. To, to your point, I, I think Brunson is freeing up Randall to play with no ego because Brunson is just better than Julius at, at scoring. Um, I know that that's, that's a very baby like static way to put it, but it's true. He's just, he's just so much more efficient. And I think a year ago, if you were to uh, pour a truth serum, a, what is it? Veretta serum in, Harry, in the Harry Potter universe uh, um, down Julius Randall's throat last year, he'd say, you know what? You're right. I'm being selfish. I'm, I'm being a little bit of a, you know what, but is there anyone else on this team that should be taking their shots? If I don't do it, what's going to happen? Who else is going to score? And the second half of last year was RJ Barrett, but you know what? RJ didn't really do it any more efficiently than Julius was doing it. So I think this year having Brunson, Julius is kind of saying, all right, you gave me someone who I'm willing to take a backseat to in clutch time. And that's kind of how it went. Julius carried the Knicks through 85% of this game, but down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it was a lot of Jalen Brunson creating. That's not to say Julius didn't do really good things in this fourth quarter. But to me, that that's the beauty of Randall this season, Alex. It's that the ego is completely gone. Pretty much everything he's doing, with the exception of a couple of times he should be hustling on defense, both in transition and in the half court, and he's not. Everything he's doing is, is just in service of, of winning the game and is in service of the team. When in last year, I think it was in service of, of, of proving that he's a star and quote-unquote proving the doubters wrong and, and, and solidifying his position in the pecking order and trying to show that the season before wasn't a fluke. This year, just about winning. It's just about basketball. And turns out he's a really good player when things are that simple. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm loving how he's playing. And I, I hope that it's here to stay. That's the greatest hope that I have, though. I will say, and I've said this a, a few shows recently, he's been the one guy, that <laughs> generally the guy that you get early in the season and in the preseason is the guy you get for the rest of the season. Like he doesn't show it. I guess he's sort of like Tibbs in that way. <laughs> Like he doesn't, he doesn't change a lot about himself during the season. He he takes off the off season reflection time to get things different about his game. And like 2020, 21, he came in and was really crushing it. And we were like, Oh, is this sustainable? And then 20 games or so went by and we're like, eh, I think this is, this is sustainable at this point. And the Knicks are really good. Like this is weird. Uh, and then last year it's like comes in, seemed a little too self-absorbed with his, with his game and his scoring and everything. And that took about 15, 20 games for us to finally start being like, yeah, all right, I guess this is who he is. <laughs> so we give it 15, 20 games again this time. But I, right now I'm feeling very encouraged based off the fact that in previous years, who he's come out looking like early in the season is generally who he is. And and so as of right now, he's looking like a fantastic, unselfish player. Uh, two other quick notes. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Three turnovers, so womp womp, that streak is broken. He has officially turned the ball over in the season, but also had six assists, so still a nice little two-to-one ratio there. R.J. Barrett, uh, speaking of guys that carried the, the Knicks down the stretch, started off the game one of nine, finished six of ten, and also made his first three triples of the year, so that's good stuff too. There's one guy we have 
conspicuously not talked about, though, and that is Mitchell Robinson. And we are going to talk about him in just a second. But first, I got to let everybody know about LinkedIn Jobs. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. And look, I, I don't have much experience hiring. I wish I was that high up in any of the various jobs that I do. But... I do have plenty of experience as a job seeker. And I got to say, LinkedIn Jobs does the absolute best job of directing me towards the jobs that I want and the ones that I look at and say, oh, that seems like a perfect fit for me. I go in Indeed, I have to sort through a, a million uh, a different like entry-level sales positions to get to one position that I like for a day job. LinkedIn is always sending me the jobs that consistently wow me and make me say, wow, I seem like a great fit for there. And if you're a hirer, that's what you'll get out of LinkedIn. You'll get a bunch of people that are very interested in your job. So all you have to do, you add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and you could spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And you guys know the drill, if you, especially if you're a small business you know, owner or if you, if you work for a smaller company. These things are important. Every team member is an important you know, piece of the puzzle. And you got to make sure you find the right person. LinkedIn Jobs can help you do that and close the year strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Gavin, we are back talking the Knicks win over the Magic. I keep having to look at the score again. I'm not used to the Knicks scoring this many points every single game, but 115 to 102 in this one. Uh, Tibbs recently said that in an interview or in one of his availabilities, they wants the Knicks to shoot like 53s a game now. So I guess we should start expecting these scores as long as those threes start falling. Uh, but one guy that we really conspicuously have not talked about yet is Mitchell Robinson, who finishes this game with 14 points, six of seven shooting three blocks and six boards, which much to the chagrin of one of our listeners who, who has told us on Twitter a number of times that he does not think that Mitch is a good rebounder. I hate to break it to you. Mitch is a great rebounder and we'll explain why on another episode soon. Uh, but Gavin, you wrote in our notes here, one of the better defensive games of Mitch's career question mark. That's a pretty bold claim. So I think you should go ahead and make your case right now. All right, I will I will say this. Uh first quarter easily one of the best uh, defensive quarters he's played of his entire career. I think that is pretty inarguable. Like I I was tracking it. Here's how he started this game. So, I think it was literally the first possession for the Magic. Um an elite rotation on Terrence Ross where where Ross was going up to shoot a 3 and then literally just rose up and dropped it for an up and down, which which you very rarely see in the NBA because NBA players, especially ones like Ross who have been in the league for a decade, um, are generally pretty cognizant of the length and athleticism that's in the league, and they know if they have enough time to get their shot off or not. But Mitch just shocked him, and you know it was such a good feeling because it reminded me of what we used to see from first and second year Mitch, where he would block shots and guys would just have this blank, empty look on their face like, this guy's an alien. How did he get to that? No one else in the league gets to that shot. That's what happened for Mitch. It, it was a different level of speed for someone his size. 
and then just had a vicious help side block on Franz Wagner. Um, another help side block on Cole Anthony um, that, that ended up in a bucket. I'll talk about that in a second. Then shut down another possession to force a shot clock violation when he locked up Wendell Carter and he was forced to just pass it out to Cole Anthony with like one second left on the clock. Um, then in the second quarter, absolutely uh, shut down uh, the best player in this game, best player on planet Earth, Bull Bull. Um, when he was about to shoot a three, just came up and blocked it. Was an absolute force on the offensive end of the floor and then essentially sealed the game when the Knicks were up by eight. It was 108 to 99 with 218 left. Had a third, had like a tip in that miss and then a, a second and third effort uh, to get it to go. All that added up to, for Mitch, uh, 14 points, six rebounds, three blocks. I'm honestly, even though he only played 30 minutes, I'm almost surprised his stats weren't better. But Alex, you and I were talking about this a little bit uh, pre-show. I think the reason sometimes people perceive him as a poor rebounder is because he will switch um, onto a guard or forward who are about to get all the way to the rim. He will get a good contest on it. He will force a miss, and then his man will get a putback. That's been happening over and over again, both in the preseason. And then tonight was the first time I really noticed in the regular season, but I think it happened once or twice the first two games. And it's a situation where I could see where if you're just watching live and you're not replaying it like a couple of times, it looks like that's on Mitch. But it's on the guy he's switching with to box out his man because if not, obviously, like if, if you don't have help on that play, he can't guard two people. And if he doesn't switch, he's going to give up a layup anyways. Yeah, I, I feel that. And, you know, in this game, too, it look, I, I love Brunson and I've been loving when he brings the team. I don't think that he's a massive defensive negative, but he definitely has a tendency to get blown by, which I've noticed in these first few games. Like, his, you know, laterally, defensively, he's not the strongest player, which is fine. Because most of the time he's going to stay in front of his guy and, you know, he's strong and uh, he also more than makes up for it on the offensive end. But, uh, you know, there's a number of times in this game where like Cole Anthony, for example, got by Brunson. And then, you know, that to get to what you're alluding to there, what do you want Mitch to do? Do you want him to like just stand there and watch so he can box his guy out and hope on the you know, 95 or sorry, the 5% chance that, you know, Cole Anthony misses a wide open layup. Like I would much rather just have him contest and get the block. And like, I've been noticing with the way that Mitch has been blocking lately, he's always had a tendency to, to direct the ball in a smart way. Generally, like Clyde has talked about this for years, actually. Like he's always been very on top of this. Like he thinks it's stupid when guys like get too emphatic with blocks, but then, you know, either cost their team a possession by for no reason spiking it into the third row or, you know, just get too haphazard with where they're blocking it. And then it results in, you know, second second chance points for the other team. In this case, like Mitch just kind of got unlucky a couple of times. Like he went for a block and blocked Cole Anthony because he helped. But then Brunson didn't even like run over to put a butt into you know, Mitch's man, which I think was Wendell Carter on the one that I'm thinking about. And it just sort of like bounced off the backboard and right into Carter's hands. And it's like, if you if you block it into the backboard, I think that's always a smart play because you're creating like basically a 50-50 ball at that point. Like you don't know where it's going to totally go. And, you know, it's you just kind of hope that it gets by whoever's right behind you and, and leaks out. And then your guy can beat the other guy to the ball and then maybe even start a fast break off of it. So... I liked what he was doing defensively. I I also understand why Brunson probably didn't box out Carter because Brunson was just kind of perpetually in foul trouble. And if you're a small guy and you're aggressively boxing out a big guy, that's just like asking to get called for like a loose ball foul. 
because of the way that officiating works and the way that, you know, that they'll see that as you sort of like undercutting the guy or whatever. Um, or you might literally just, you know, end up in a situation where he rebounds it over you and then you're put in a position to have to foul because he's going to go up for a putback and you're already like on him. Uh, so, you know, no harm, no foul in that situation. I, but I'm with you. I, I've been loving what Mitch has been doing defensively. I think that the Knicks as a whole need to do a better job supporting him but he's really been carrying a heavy load on the defensive end so far this year. And the offensive rebounding still just remains super duper elite. I mean, he, 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 between him and Hartenstein, who I thought also had a pretty good game on the offensive glass, like it really mitigated another bad half from RJ in that first half, because they were both just there to, to eat up the scraps every time. And it kind of led to a funny interaction even between Hartenstein and RJ at one point where like, Hartenstein had gotten a putback on an RJ on an RJ miss, and you could tell like they called it, the Knicks called a timeout or is a TV timeout, and like you could see RJ sternly walking back towards the bench, and Hartenstein coming kind of coming up to him, giving him a pat on the chest. You could tell he's like, "I got you, man, I got you." And RJ was like, obviously, like, "Yeah, thanks, man." But like you could tell on his head was like, "I don't want you to have to have me. I just want to make the shots already," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but it, I thought that. Mitch just yeah it was it was a fantastic game for him especially against a team with as we said earlier as much size as the Magic have up and down their roster like you know they they have Wagner who's like six nine or so and then they have obviously Paolo who's six ten and just built enormous you know and then you have Bull Bull who really showed out today and is like seven foot four right is it like seven three seven four. Uh, and like super, you know, mobile and and kind of hard to deal with, and uh, also Wendell Carter, who's like, I think probably one of the most underrated bigs in the league right now. Like, I think he's a really good center. Um, and Mobamba, who you know is not a total slouch either. I mean, that's like a lot of size that they could throw at you. And I thought that Mitch did a great job all night of containing those guys, you know, keeping them keeping them away from boards, which allowed Julius to really feast and allowed. You know, that sort of thing allows like RJ Barrett to get six boards and, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Brunson to grab three and, you know, like for your other teammates to find rebounds. So, um, yeah, I really like the game for Mitch. A little long winded, but a lot of good things to say about his game. No, I'm I'm with you. Um, I want to I want to go rapid fire on everyone, Alex, because I, I just feel like there's there so much goodness in this game. There's so many good plays like some of those OB dunks. Uh, let, let's get into all of it in just a sec. But first, uh, let's take one final break. All right, we are back on Locked on Nick's third and final segment for you guys. Um, I'm going to start, since this is this is like the, the, the popcorn section, the bounce around section, I think we got to start with, with Obi Toppin. Uh, two, two of the better uh, lob dunks he's had in the second quarter. Uh, one uh, on Paulo Bancaro's head. Um, I, I know, I know you had similar thoughts, Alex, but I think Obi, Obi is the number one pick now, not, not Paolo. It's, it's Obi. <laughs> um, and then, and then the second one was, I can't remember if it was Paolo guarding him or someone else, but it was, it was, like, it was Paolo both times. It was Paolo both. Oh yes. He, he really he annihilated did. Paolo. Dude, Obi, Obi should just take over his contract. That's how it should work. Paolo should have to dunk on Obi to get his money back. Um, but he got 14 feet up in the air. And it was like, I, I don't know if it, <laughs> that was close to the highest I've ever seen him get. It was a crazy pass from IQ and Obi was just soaring. And beyond the dunks though, um, him and IQ and IQ didn't score in this game, but I still thought had some really good moments. They were just generating so much good stuff from a ball movement perspective. And like we saw last year, it became contagious where all of a sudden you see Cam Reddish throwing these really smart passes. You're like, oh, Cam can do that. 
that's awesome. And like, I'm sure if you ask Cam, he'd be like, yeah, that's IQ and Obi like rubbing off on me. And then Obi had uh, one of his better passes ever where he caught the outlet in transition in one motion, just threw it behind his back to a cutting RJ behind him for a jam. And maybe that is what gave RJ some confidence and got him going. So it would have been nice to see Obi get some more minutes down the stretch, but for what Tibbs gave him, I, I thought of another really, really good game. Yeah, I thought so too. I also, I had a really funny observation during the, 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 Obi dunks and then like Randall had a similar streaking transition dunk at one point where he threw down a two-hander it's just so funny like to me the juxtaposition between the two of Randall I mean has such a good like mean mug and like like stare down after he does something crazy like that and like did it there like let out like a solid like eight second scream after that dunk that you could hear like on the telecast. And then like they showed the other side of the video and you could see he's like, just, I mean, he looked excited, but also just kind of like mean mugging towards the, you know, the magic about to inbound the ball. Like, Oh, I own you guys now. Like, you know, I just dunked on your head. Yeah. Obi, meanwhile, like, I mean, Obi took Ben Caro's soul twice. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like the first time it was a go up and get it. It was almost like a, almost like a, a corner and a wide receiver. In yeah, football. Go ball. yeah. Yeah. Just, just like an end zone ball. And like, yeah, he mossed him. Yeah. He mossed him or like Gronkowski him, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say, like whoever your favorite, like end Calvin Johnson, you know, whatever, whoever your favorite, like end zone target receiver of all time is. He just did that. It was a go up and get it ball. And <clears throat> Obi just got up and got it and dunked it over Paolo. Like almost just kind of was able to only get like a, a, tap on it but emphatically grabbed the rim afterwards and got it through the hoop and that one was the one where he sort of had his his like scream second one as you said even more physically impressive where he like got super high over uh bancaro to finish that one and got bancaro chided by clyde there in the uh in the commentary but the funny observation i had was like randall has that like mean mug and that scream and obi had almost just like tried to do that against Paolo the first time like he let out like a scream but then they showed the video of him and he's just like beaming like he's smiling I'm like (laughs) who would ever be intimidated by that like he's just like smiling super big but like yelling and it's like it's supposed to be intimidating but it's like I feel like it's like a like a like a lion cub like trying to roar like you're just like oh how cute like yeah 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 (laughs) Randall's like the parent lion (laughs) and Obi's just like the the young one so he's trying to imitate him but can't quite get there (laughs) can't quite do it but I mean just fantastic plays by Obi in this game I thought I thought he was he was super electric um I'm with you on IQ I, I don't think we have to add too much to the fact like I think the fact that he had zero points and eight assists but still really positively impacted the game and was trusted with being out there to close the game. Yeah. It says a lot about the type mm-hmm. of game that he had. And I guess maybe that brings us again to Evan Fournier, who I, again, like the thing that comes to my head when I'm thinking about Fournier right now is like square peg round hole. You know, it's like he definitely has skills that should work, but when those skills aren't working right now, I don't see, the positive value that he's bringing. And the main skill obviously is the shooting. And he only goes two for eight in this game. Uh, every single one of those was from three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Two for eight, which was two for eight from three. And I just, I don't know. His utility just seems limited to me if he's not making shots right now. And that's where like quickly comes in where I'm like, if you put quickly out there and have him out there with Brunson, they're not losing a bit on defense right now because I think quickly's 
a better defender against almost anybody on the floor than Evan Fournier could possibly be. But then you're also getting so much more ball movement and quickly does a lot of the similar things that the other guys in that starting unit can do, which is like get the ball, make a quick decision, drive into the paint, kick out to somebody, get the ball swinging around the perimeter. And on paper, Fournier, I feel like can do that to a degree, like put the ball on the floor and get inside, but he doesn't seem to be looking to do that. And if he's not going to be looking to do that, on days when he can't make the three-pointers, then I struggle to see his utility over some of these other guys on the team. And now, as of right now, include quickly Grimes when healthy. I would almost even rather see like Cam Reddish out there at the moment get soaking up those minutes because I think that he's proven to be pretty versatile on defense and you know, especially on offense right now, using that length and everything. So I, I hope that this trend continues, that if Fournier is not hitting shots, that he gets sat down the stretch. But... Again, contrary to my bold prediction like a week ago that Fournier would start like every possible game available to him as long as he was healthy, I'm kind of already to the point like three games into the season where I'm like, I think I could do with Fournier not in the starting lineup at this point. Yeah, I I think the issue with Fournier is that he can't take advantage of gaps in in a defense the way that IQ can and and the way I've seen from Grimes, certainly in summer league and and, and a bit in the NBA so far. And and to me, the the two issues there – are he's just not a great live dribble passer. Occasionally he'll make a really good one. But, and I think honestly what that is, is that it's not a lack of passing skill. It's just that no one in the NBA freaks out when Evan Fournier has a step on someone getting into the lane and towards the basket. And not that they totally do with IQ either, but I think just because IQ brings that speed element, there's a little bit more respect there and a little bit more of a fear of like, all right, we got to catch up to this guy. Like I'm going to take a step out of the corner to go get him. And it's the fact that IQ just is, I think a better passer, especially to the corners than Fournier is Uh, Grimes. Again, we have yet to fully see that, but what Grimes does really well, um, which I know you and I have debated before him versus Fournier in this. And I know Fournier is pretty good at feeding the bigs, but I think Grimes is exceptionally good at getting all the way to the rim and finding ways to just slip it to Mitch through like a a thicket of really long arms, which would have come in handy tonight against the Orlando magic. So Time will certainly tell, but but the thing with Fournier is again, if he's not if he's not draining from three, if he's not making plays off the dribble, uh, his defense isn't good enough to justify keeping him on the floor. And I think the reason IQ played down the stretch was twofold. Like I think one and most importantly was he he was a clear defensive upgrade on Evan Fournier, despite being four inches shorter. I think I literally said the same thing last podcast. And two, um, he's just he's just more of a threat to just keep it moving offensively. To me, that was the that was the biggest theme tonight. Where we, I mean, last game I highlighted. Brunson and IQ's chemistry this game, one of my favorite plays in the game, was Randall um, driving into the lane, like did did a spin move, drew two defenders, then kind of flipped on a dime, did a, did a 180 pass straight back out to IQ. IQ's defender had to run out to, to try and contest the three. IQ sped by him. Mitch's defender steps up. IQ just does like a little like up and under pass to Mitch for a jam. And it, it's it's that kind of synergy between those two and the fact that IQ can make the next like dribble drive and make the next pass. And I don't know if Fournier can do that with the same consistency. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I think a good note to wrap up on, I just want to give props to the magic. Like I thought they were really fun. Like again, I said this early in the show, but like if I was a magic fan, I would be super excited right now about where this team is going. Like, I was just thinking about it, and I, I couldn't quite think of a, a comparison before, but I sort of feel like I found one. It feels very much like they are like the the pre-pop 
uh, Sixers right now. Like when they had that collection of young talent in Simmons and Embiid and, and you know, uh, ironically, Fultz at the time, who's now on the Magic. But when it seemed like they were just right on the verge of uh, like Dario Sarge was on that team too. Like it seemed like they just had too much talent that they wouldn't end up good within a couple years. And I'm getting that feeling off the magic right now. Like Bancaro is like 1000% legit. I got to, I got to give props to our buddy, uh, Ricky O'Donnell, who was like all in on Bancaro, like the whole yeah. draft process when everybody was overthinking it and being like, Oh, should it be, uh, should it be, um, Jabari Smith or should it be Chet Holmgren, whatever, obviously with Chet, you know, I hope he gets better soon. Like I really do think he's talented, but you can't, you can't really judge him this year. He gets kind of an incomplete, but like, I definitely think right now Paolo better pick than Jabari Smith because Paolo is just lethal. I mean, the the uh, his ability to just draw free throws and everything right now is insane. Um, so yeah, I, I I just loved watching the Magic. Like again, if I was a Magic fan right now, I would be so excited. Like even if they don't get Weminyama, which I think that you could potentially have like one of the wildest like front courts in the league it's not gonna if be you, fair yeah. yeah like if you could throw like Wem and Yama, like if bull bull is legit and you could throw bull bull out there and then also like palo and franz palo and franz like forget about it that's yeah. so that's so much size and so much defense and everything else but also so much scoring but like even if they don't get him like imagine they get like scoot henderson like crazy good this team could potentially be so you know shout out to our our uh co-worker philip rossman reich with uh the lockdown magic podcast but like that team they're not going to win a ton of games this year but they're going to be really really fun not winning games this year yeah I'm, I'm i'm totally with you it's it's a it's a complete like in in the, in the best sense of the world they're, they're a basketball freak show they remind me more of uh the bucks early in Giannis's tenure which makes sense given that uh their gm is john hammond who who drafted Giannis and, and built out that bucks team and uh fetishizes length like no other general manager in the nba and and it looks Looks pretty good out there. Um, I'll end on just like a couple of rapid fire notes, just kind of going guy to guy uh, for Julius. Um, one thing I noticed with him this whole game, I I know you wanted to mention his floater, so I'll, I'll leave that for you if you want to get it in real quick. But just the way he's directing guys on offense, I mean, you just see him constantly for people watching on YouTube. I'm doing it right now, just um, like motioning with his finger and saying like, hey, no, no, RJ, RJ, just just run through. And like he, he does that on certain plays and he literally like, creates a bucket like he he did it he did it for fournier in the fourth quarter um where he just motioned fournier to the corner and then he drove and kicked it to him and fournier nailed the three and that was just randall like not only physically creating a bucket but mentally creating a bucket and, and to me like we, we talk about a guy like last year who just like made some really dumb plays i don't know how else to say it like that's that's just a revelation um rj i know he picked it up late i'm i, I just need to see him hit shots consistently i think the biggest thing for rj honestly it's what Randall learned from last year to this year it, it has to be the realization that he doesn't have to be the star he doesn't have to justify his contract he just has to make the right basketball play over and over again and things are going to go really really well for him and then I just want to shout out Cam um who had a, another like sick finish at the rim like double pump right over Bancaro and, and then um maybe my single favorite play from him this season when he's made a bunch of really good ones drove to the rim uh, slung it to Obi Toppin who passed it to IQ and in that time Cam relocated to the opposite wing to be wide open for a three and just the basketball IQ on that play first to make the pass to the corner and then to sense where the ball was going to go and sense where the help was going to be and to relocate to the open spot and then actually hit the shot. 
I thought that was huge. He didn't really do anything in the second half, but just a really impressive play and, and, and proving over and over again that even on nights where he's not red hot like he was against the Grizzlies, he still has a lot of value for this team. As long as he buys in and as long as he's he's playing the way that he has been. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I will just shout out Randall's floater, I guess. Uh, I don't have too much to say about it other than it exists and it's working. <laughs> and that's a big plus to his game. It gives him another option to go to if he doesn't feel like getting all the way to the rim, which I think we know pretty well from Randall at this point, despite being built as big as he is, he's not the fondest of getting all the way to the rim. So if he can keep that floater going and use it against taller defenders like he did in this game, which taller defenders, because Randall's not a super vertical player, have kind of vexed him in the past. Sweet weapon for him to go to this year. Uh, but I think that's a good note to end on. For this Locked On Knicks podcast, we have at least one more game recap for you guys this week. Uh, and then we'll see if we do the other one for Saturday. But then some other great shows coming up. We'll finish up the mailbag questions. If you guys do have mailbag questions still, though, feel free to ask them. You can ask them in the YouTube comments. You can go find our tweet where we're asking for them and, and still ask. We're happy to answer them. Uh, we always love hearing from you guys and what you want to hear us talk about. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So until next time, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.